So my name is Joe, and for those of you new, I am the worship pastor here. For those of you tuning in online, uh, just thank you for being here today. I'm excited to be able to preach with you. Pastor Aaron is out of town again. What a slacker. <laughs> Had to preach three times this month. No, no I'm, I'm excited to be here. Pastor Aaron's actually down in Arkansas, and uh, which is funny because I told him, I said, enjoy your time down there. He's like, dude, this is literally the most boring town I've ever been to <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but no, there's a, a church that wants to partner with us that we met about a year ago. We've been contacting on and off, and so he gets to speak down there. Um, so I'm excited about that. So we don't screw it up so we can get that. <laughs> um, we've been going through a series called Ghost Stories, as you see here on the screen. And at the end of the service, we'll hear another testimony from one of our members. And as we've been walking through this, we've just kind of talked through about being born of the Spirit, that which what happens when you get saved. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Pastor Aaron talked about the being filled with the Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Notice how I always get these. You know, the hard stuff. <laughs> but I, I did get Aaron back, so I told him, I was like, you wanted to extend this a week, right? He's like, yeah. I said, sweet, next week you get to talk about whether they're still around and all that controversial stuff. Today what we're going to focus on, which I believe is what the, the point of what Paul's trying to make here in 1 Corinthians, is how we are to determine whether or not these gifts are of the Spirit or not. Because we all know that we can manufacture stuff. And Paul's going to highlight what the real thing is compared to what the counterfeit thing is. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. I think it's going to be, um, it's good for us to look at these things. I was, you know, it's, it's very nerve-wracking to prepare for something like this, knowing that there's such strong opinions about this. But the reality is the Bible is very, very clear. And so I'm, as, as we read this and as we pray, let's, let's make sure that we're focused on what God says, not what we've been told, not what we've experienced, but what does God's word say? And I think it's going to be very beneficial. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you would, stand in honor of God's word with me as we read this. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. To other, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray right now that that's all we would hear is your word. That we would focus in on what you have said. And God, that you would uh, just conform our hearts to fit what your word says. We want to give you the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we saw here in verse 1 here, we're going to have to build a context out here. In verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. This, this starts what he's getting ready to talk to them about right now concerning this. Now, in order for us to understand what he's saying... We have to understand what the context of this letter is. Because if Paul is writing to a brand new church that he's never been in contact with, then we would have to interpret this differently 
than if there was, say, a church with a long history of relationship. And I'm going to show you how that's the case, okay? In uh, Acts chapter 18, Paul is in Corinth, and we're told that he was there for at least a year and a half. This is where he started preaching in the synagogue. He starts preaching with them, and we know, according to Acts 18.8, it says, And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Verse 11, And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So for at least a year and a half, probably much longer, Paul was in Corinth. He saw them in their, their pagan roots. He preached the gospel. They got saved. The church was formed, and for a year and a half, he preached the God with them. Then, Paul's writing in response to reports that he has. So if we go back to Corinthians chapter 1. We're told in verse 11, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Okay, so now, Paul starts this letter because of reports that he's received from Chloe's people. In chapter 5, we're also told that Paul had written them a previous letter to this. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with this sexually immoral people. Right after that, after the reports from Chloe, he's dealing with, guys, you, you missed the whole point. So Paul had been there. He set up the church. He preached the word of God to them. He then wrote them a letter after he found out that they were doing stuff they shouldn't. And then Chloe reports that they're still doing it. So then he's now back in 1 Corinthians addressing that same thing. But then in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the matters which you wrote about. So there was also a letter that the Corinthians wrote to Paul. So again, Paul is in Corinth. He's preaching the word of God. A church is formed. He preaches to them for a year and a half. He goes away. Somehow he hears stuff going on, so he writes them a letter. Then he gets a report from Chloe's people that stuff is still going on, so he writes 1 Corinthians. But he also had received a letter from the Corinthians with questions they had. And so in this part of it, he is now addressing what they have asked him as well as what has been reported to him. Do you see why that makes a difference? We have to then understand how do these Corinthians, how are they understanding what he's saying? There is a history that you and I don't know. However, knowing that there's a history, we can then look at this and interpret this correctly through the lens of that, that he is responding to things that have happened previously. Not a brand new church, okay? And we're going to get into a lot more of that here in a minute. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. And based on all of that stuff we just talked about, they clearly were, okay? Paul knew the Corinthians were prone to wander. In, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. Paul experienced that firsthand when he was there. In Acts, you can see that they were, they were prone to worship these false idols. Pastor, or Pastor Aaron talked last week about this desire as Christians to be filled with the Spirit to the point that when they worshiped false gods, you know, they would get drunk on whatever this feeling was that they thought they were closer to God. This is with the Corinthians too. They come out of that. He says, you know that you were led astray, which emphasizes the fact that they're being led astray again. In verse 3, again, in response to these letters and these reports, look what Paul says. He says, therefore... I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Therefore, being the fact that you, when you were pagans, you were led astray to worship these mute idols, however you led, based off of what you've asked me, based on the reports I have, I want you to be very clear of something. No one speaking in the Spirit says Jesus is accursed. That simply means that nobody denies Jesus as Lord and is of the Spirit. This clearly means that that was happening. He's responding to what has been asked and what has been told to him. 
He goes on at the end of verse 3 to clarify even further. And he says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So again, this, is, this isn't a new church that he's talking to. These are based on what's taking place in Corinthians. And you're going to see why this is important in a minute. He says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if we think about that saying, it's not just somebody who says Jesus is Lord. There's, there's a deeper meaning there. In Romans 10, Paul says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you can't just call because he says, unless you believe. And you can't believe unless you hear. So when he's saying that somebody is saying Jesus is Lord, it is a proclamation. It is a belief in their heart proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. That cannot happen unless you're saved, unless you have the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is what confirms you that Jesus is Lord, then there's no way in the world you could turn right around and say Jesus is accursed and Jesus is not Lord. First John goes in even deeper. First John chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Beloved, do, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, is now in the world already. There is... Good spirits, and there's a spirit of the Antichrist. If it's of the spirit of God, it confesses Jesus as Lord. If not, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. This gives us a little bit of context as to what is taking place in the church of Corinth. Now concerning spiritual gifts, which they obviously asked about, which he obviously heard reports about. He says, you guys are being led astray like you were when you were pagans. And I'm telling you right now, no one of the spirit can say Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is accursed. That doesn't happen. He's given us a gauge how do we determine what we experience as whether it's of God or as a, of the Antichrist or the, a false spirit? So as we get into this, first thing that we see here in this, the passage we read is that gifts are given. And again, this is going to head off, again, what's happening in the church of Corinth. The gifts are given. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, which means the spirit gives it. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't have enough faith to get one. The, the Spirit gives it to you. He also apportions it or distributes it as He wills. Look at verse 11. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. He decides who gets them. And then He also says not everybody gets all of them. Okay? Um, throughout the rest of chapter 12, He goes in detail about the human body. He talks about how the human body has many members but one body. And how foolish it would be if we were all the same. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12 because he condenses this very clearly and he goes in detail here. But in Romans chapter 12 verse 4. For as in one body we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Again, you don't have all the same gifts. Why is he saying that? We're going to see again later. They, they all desire one. And Paul is letting them know this is how gifts are given by God. The Spirit decides who gets them. The Spirit gives as He sees fit for the common good, and not everybody gets them all. I've had Christians in the past, they've said, you know, like, well, I've been told that if I just pray and if I have enough faith, then I can get this gift. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the Spirit's in control of who gets them for the common good, and not everybody will. Paul goes on at the end of chapter 12 here in Corinthians he asked these hypothetical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the obvious answer is no. But again, why is he telling them this? Because that's what's happening in Corinth. They are desiring a single gift that we're going to get to in a moment. 
And he's letting them know this is not how gifts are given. Okay? You see that gifts are given. You can't earn them. But then, if, if you notice when we read this, there's a common theme, too. They're by the same Spirit. Okay? I'm not going to go through all the verses again because it was just filtered through. But eight times in ten verses, Paul says something like, the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, one and the same Spirit. And why does he do that? Because, again, there is a rising up of one. Somebody thinks this gift is more spiritual than this gift. And he goes over and over and over again. says, the Spirit gives them out, and they're all from the same Spirit. And they all do one function for the common good of the church. It's ridiculous to pretend like because you have this gift, you're somehow better. And that goes back to the whole body illustration. He says, the hand can't tell the foot, I don't need you. Without something, your body doesn't function right. We know that. If we had three arms, that'd be ridiculous. Could come in handy in some instances, I guess. But <laughs> for the most part, that'd be crazy. And he's saying all this, and, and I know you, you can sense that we're still dealing with a lot of this today, right? And Paul is addressing the issues that they've asked about and what has been reported to them. They all come from the same spirit who gives as he sees fit. And I mentioned before, this final point that we're going to focus on a lot is to afford to build up the church. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, at this point, we're going to pivot. I mentioned we're going to divide this into two sections. I'm going to move into chapter 14, but I want to explain what's happening in 12, 13, and 14. And then Pastor Aaron is going to get a little more in detail next week. In chapter 12, Paul is writing concerning spiritual gifts, and he is directing them on how these actually work. In chapter 13, we see that they happen through love, which again is another sign as to whether or not they're from the Spirit, which again is pointing at the fact that they're not doing it that way. And then in chapter 14, now Paul is going to go into what is actually happening in the church of Corinth based off the letter that they wrote and based off the reports he has from Chloe. And what this is going to help us see is we're going to see this counterfeit thing that's happening within the church of Corinth that he's addressing. Paul, I mean, look at the history that he has. He's constantly correcting them. They're being led astray again, and Paul wants them to be abundantly clear. This is how you can tell whether or not this is of the Spirit, and now I'm going to tell you what you're doing. And then we're going to compare that to the real thing that we see in Acts. So he says in verse 7, we just read, Each is given for the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In chapter 14, verse 12, he says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Now that's interesting. Because the gifts of the Spirit, they already do that. They build up the church. Now he's saying, since you want this manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Why? Because they're not. And we're going to see as we get through this, they're striving to build up themselves. Four times here in chapter 14, Paul mentions to build up the church, and he tells us what does that. And he, what he does is he then compares prophecy and tongues, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. Now, I need you to follow me here, because this is going to get confusing, but then it's going to make sense at the end. Why it's so important that we know how Paul is addressing them that dictates the interpretation that we have. If you notice, when I read chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. When you go to chapter 13, he continues that. When you go to chapter 14, he continues that. And then when you get to chapter 15, it says, Now I would remind you of the gospel. We need to understand that chapter 12 through 14 are on the same context, which means that everything that we just said applies to the same thing. He is instructing them 
based off of concerns he has of what they're doing. This isn't a guide for us to follow in church as much as it is to address what's going on in their church. Okay, so I just, just follow me. This is, pretty, this is pretty amazing as I studied this this week. I want to read the first five verses. And I know there's a lot of scripture, but this, being that there's so much debate around, I don't want you to think this is my opinion. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verses 1 through 5. Paul says, pursue love. And again, that ties in from uh, the chapter 13. Apart from love, you just sound like a noisy gong or a clangy cymbal, right? So he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Again, Paul's desire is that they would desire gifts that would build up the church. But again, remember, all gifts do that, according to chapter 12. So he's addressing something here. But if you, if you were following along, what he says, it's a little confusing. Does Paul really want us all to have a certain gift? Does he really want us to speak in tongues and prophecy and not the other ones? No. He told us in chapter 12, they all come from the same, and you don't get to dictate which ones you have, right? Is he saying that prophecy is actually better than tongues? No, because all the gifts come from the same spirit. Again, he's addressing the issues that are happening in the Corinthian church. The reality of it is, is Paul wouldn't address them if things were going the way, you know, if, if everything was working along according to the Spirit. But now I want to look at something here, because this, as it, it gets a little more confusing, but then it's going to make sense here in a minute. I want us to notice how Paul talks about the Corinthians speaking in tongues. Chapter 14, verse 2, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. Chapter 14, 9, So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? Does that accurately depict the gift of tongues? Does that accurately depict what took place the first time tongues were used? Let's go back to Acts 2 and see what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, this is after the disciples were in the upper room. They received the Holy Spirit and this loud, thunderous roar with the winds and everything happens. And they begin, uh, it says here in verse 2, and they were, or verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Why were they bewildered? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They understood what was actually being said as they were speaking in tongues. Now, what language was it? We just read that it was devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay, the Jews would come into Jerusalem at Pentecost from every nation under heaven. And every single one of them that spoke different languages were amazed and astonished because they were speaking in their language. They could understand what they were saying as they were praising God in tongues. They even mentioned in verse 7, are not all of these who speak in Galileans? Now, Galileans to them were unsophisticated, uneducated, talked with a very strict accent. How in the world were they speaking in their own language? They were all amazed at this. Now, that event is truly remarkable. But now, hold that thought and let's go back to what Paul says. Why does Paul say that no one will understand if you speak in tongues? If we go back to chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Thus tongues are a sign not for the believers, but for unbelievers. 
Well, prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're all out of your minds? But if you all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Again, as you read that, hold on. Paul says that the tongues are a gift not for the believer, but the unbelievers. However, he says if you're all pre- speaking in tongues, the unbelievers are going to come in. They don't know what you're doing. They're, they're going to say, aren't you guys out of your mind? He then says prophecy is a gift for the believer. Yet if an unbeliever hears you all prophesying, he's going to repent and, fall and worship God. So what is Paul actually saying? Again, he is addressing what's taking place in the Corinthian church. The reality of it is the tongue is a sign for the unbeliever. And prophecy will lead an unbeliever to repentance. Let's go back to Acts. This is amazing. If we go back to Acts, this is where the disciples are in the upper room. Again, they've, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And God does an amazing thing as they speak in tongues. They, the people hear in their own language. They're amazed and astonished. And what happens immediately after that? Peter begins to prophesy. Peter begins to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the one that came to forgive sins. And what happens because of that? What happens when these unbeliever Jews witness the sign of tongues that they understand and then hear the gospel of Jesus proclaimed? What happens? Look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Look at that. God uses the gift of tongues in such a miraculous way that 3,000 unbelievers, the tongues was a sign and the prophecy led these 3,000 believers to Christ. That's incredible. So why did Paul say that in the church of Corinth, an unbeliever, if they come in, they would say, aren't you out of your mind? Why did he say it won't benefit them? Again, he's addressing what's taking place with the Corinthians. The Corinthians so desired this spiritual gift that made them feel close to God. And there's nothing wrong with that. He wants them to desire it. But the reality of it is the Spirit is the one who does it. You can't manufacture that. And when you do, it leads to nothing. And sadly, that still happens today as people want to manufacture something. When the God does it, it has results. When God used the gift of tongues, 3,000 people come to Christ the first time. And yet, remember that they wrote a letter to Paul. They have to be asking, like, this stuff is happening. Chapter 13 says, without love, you're just going to sound like a clanging cymbal, right? They experience that every single week. They're sitting in their church, and people, are, everyone's speaking, and they don't, they're not getting anything from it. And Paul's addressing that because it's not genuine. The Spirit does that. And if you're going to desire these gifts, why don't you desire to prophesy? Again, not that one's better than the other, but the reality of it is in the Corinthian church, if everyone would just preach the word, if everybody would just proclaim God's word, unbelievers would get saved. The true gift of tongues was a miraculous thing, but they've been manufacturing it. I thought about this. As a Christian, we've had moments where God has made himself known to us. I had a moment about a month ago, and we actually wrote a song that hopefully we're going to do here in a few weeks. But in that moment, God's he revealed to me the truth of his word in such a real way that I didn't know what else to do but sit down and try to write a song, right? Now, what I could have done, because in that moment, I don't care what you said about what he revealed to me, he was, I, I know he was true. It wouldn't matter what you said. There was such, it was such a cool thing. 
I could try to manufacture that. I could try to get you to experience what took place there. I could try to get you to experience God revealing that, or I could tell you what he showed me. And then we all benefit from that. I can't manufacture what the Spirit does. God made himself real to me by confirming the truth of his scripture. And now all I can do is tell you the truth of his scripture. I can't manufacture this feeling that I had. Only God can do that. So as we close here, I just want us to be reminded, again, this is just an overview. Tomorrow we're going to get more, or next week we're going to get more into like the gifts and all that. But Paul gives us clear direction how to determine whether or not these gifts are of the Spirit or whether they're of a false spirit. And it's all going to boil back to the building up of the church. The Spirit produces this, not us. And if we're going to desire anything, it's to build up the church. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come. And if you would, just bow your heads as we think about this, and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray today that as we deal with a very controversial issue, that, God, that we would run to your word. God, you have given us more than enough clarity in your word to help us discern our experiences, to help us discern these feelings. And God, I pray that we do earnestly speak to see you move. But God, understand that you're the one who does it. We can't produce what only you can. God, and I wish that we would just be in all that we even get to be used by you. But we desire that your name be known around the world and that happens when you work. So God, I pray today that if anyone's struggling with this issue, that they would just read the word, just get into it and ask you to clarify. We've got to also pray today that for somebody here today that doesn't know you, that doesn't know, has never proclaimed Jesus as Lord, that God, today would be the day that you would open their eyes to the need of a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. God, we love you. We thank you. We've got to pray that right now that as you just speak to us as we respond through song, I want to give you all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.